Hey, Autumn. Hey, Hal. I saw a kind of bad movie this week. Oh, yeah? What's it about? Okay, so there are these two brothers, and one of them's like more introverted, and he stays home after they grow up and stays in their home, their like rural hometown in, in Northern California. And the other brother goes off and like moves to LA and tries to make it as an actor and is like wild and out. And then after their dad dies, the extroverted older brother, he comes back and is like, you know, trying to interact with their hometown for the first time. And his brother is like, mm, I wish you were less embarrassing. And he's like trying to come out of his shell. And there's all kinds of shenanigans. Okay, but is it gay? Hi, welcome to Okay, But Is It Gay? A podcast about gay movies that you might have never heard about. Um, we we use the word it's obscure in like the Twitter because I didn't want to say bad movies. Because yeah, because some of them are good. good. Or some of them are good, decent anyway. Um, but these are movies that you know you don't see on podcasts that often. They're probably um, not going to be critically acclaimed. <laughs> probably this one got some awards. Um, Interesting. <laughs> today we're talking about Tiger Orange uh, from 2014, starring Mark Strano, and um, he's not billed as Johnny Hazard in this movie. Uh, Frankie Valenti, who is a former porn actor, he this is his first feature-length non-pornographic film, and oh boy, can you tell... <laughs> I don't think that's fair. I think he does a pretty decent job, actually. Uh, my problem I mean, with I've... this movie was with the writing, so... Yeah. The script does not help, I feel. <laughs> it's it's a wild time, but, you know, we'll get into that. We will, we will. Um, but first, a couple of warnings for both the movie and our discussion of it. The movie contains homophobic and ableist slurs. Um, there is one mention of the R word, and the F slur gets thrown around a couple of times. Um, we're not going to do that in the podcast, but that does happen in the movie. There are discussion and jokes around incest. We're probably going to talk about the weird incest stuff that, that needs to be discussed. Yeah, um, and it like happens in a couple of scenes in this movie. There's also like a vibe. And then partial ma- ma- partial male nudity. I don't think there are any penises in this movie, but there's a lot of butt. They do a weirdly good job covering up the dicks, but like barely. It's very weird. Mm-hmm. Frankie Valenti never wears underwear. Yeah. Um, and there are like heavy sexual themes in this movie as well. Um, no sex scenes. But, like, a lot of, like, Discussions about sex. And... Mm-hmm. A lot of... And masturbating. Also. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Your wife so... does no one wear underwear. That's common in a lot of the movies we watch. Yeah. Is it just, like, a logistics thing? And, like, you just want to get into it? Because, like, these characters are wearing jeans. That's uncomfortable. Yeah. Is that actor okay? <laughs> I hope so. Okay, so warnings, introductions out of the way. I said that uh, Frankie Valenti's character, not Chet, the other one, Todd was the older brother in the intro, but it's actually Chet who is the who is the oldest, Mark Strano's character. So we open with uh, Chet like wakes up as a moving van arrives at his house, and then immediately we flash back to childhood bedroom of Todd and Chet. They share a room. They have this like lofted bunk bed situation going on, um, and it's, it's very pink, clearly, isn't it? yeah, it's pink, and it's also got stickers and like uh, things tacked to it. I don't know if you were a hand-me-down kid, but I was a hand-me-down kid my entire life. Like I probably still own clothes and things that belonged to my older cousins, and this bunk bed is extremely. The boys needed bigger beds. 
we went to the Goodwill. This is an object that is like still usable, very loved, probably a little wobbly, but it'll work until uh, their legs get too long. And I just really like the detail of this very clearly hand-me-down bunk bed and then also the transformation that it goes through after this scene. Yeah, you know that the dad would never like pick out a pink you know, bunk bed for his uh, boys unless he had no other option. Mm-hmm. So Todd is <laughs> Todd is goofing around and singing A Love That's Real in, the, in their bedroom. Um, this angers their father. It's like, you know, he doesn't want him singing a girly song or whatever. And like, it's past their bedtime, blah, blah, blah. Then Todd finds Chet's gay magazine under their bed. And he's holding it when the dad comes back in, which outs Todd, but not Chet. Yeah, yeah. A lot of these flashbacks really are just Todd uh, doing, like, traditionally feminine things or liking traditionally feminine things. Uh, and then Chet mm-hmm. kind of either seeing the ramifications of that or trying to, like, protect Todd from that Mm -hmm. Uh, just because the dad is very very against that sort of thing yeah like super heavy homophobia I guess we should have said homophobia in the in the warnings and I apologize for that I thought I Um, thought you did oh maybe I did I did I did Um, it's in the list that I wrote but yeah it's like super heavily like this this dad is not like subtle about how he does not want his kids to be gay yeah or at least to be perceived that way. Because I don't know if they ever mm-hmm. really have a conversation with him about it. I mean, Chet never no. does. But I don't really know if Todd does either. It's just kind of assumed. Mm-hmm. So the moving van is at Chet's house back in the present. He is here to pick up some of his dad's things after um, their father has passed. It's been three months and Chet like feels bad that he hasn't moved past his dad's death in three months. I feel like that's not a lot of time to get over the death of a parent. Especially because, yeah, especially because they were living together. He he was living with mm-hmm. his dad in uh, this cabin house. So, you know, going from seeing someone every day to never being able to see them again is very jarring and traumatic. Uh- <laughs> he talks later in the film He talks later in the film about having to care for their dad as he was dying, and then he, like, arranged the entire funeral. Like, dude, you went through a thing. Like, you're fine. Yeah. He also has some Um, tendencies to talk to either his dad's ashes or, like, things that remind him of his dad, such as his bed. Yeah, his bed, the recliner in the living room. Chet, are you okay? (laughs) Feel your feelings, but like maybe talk to someone about that. Um, so Chet also works at the family hardware store, owns and operates it. He and his dad were like beloved by the town, and he's close with a lot of the customers. I don't know if we ever get this older man's name, this customer who comes in frequently to talk about like various projects that he's working on, mostly with his grandchildren, but um, he is sort of like one of the representatives of like the town as an entity and one of the first things that he says is to chet son when are you gonna get some children and a wife in that order i guess (laughs) yeah a lot of the the old man's great i love him actually Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) he has a good arc we understand a lot of things about him from his like very sparse few lines that he has Mm -hmm. um the story gives you sorry go ahead no, we just we understand his relationship with Chet from these scenes as well. I was just gonna say the store gives you the impression that it it's only still open because of like a loyal you know customer base, mainly like mm-hmm. family friends and stuff like that who keep going there despite maybe better options. Because like he mentions some some chain store that comes in is like threatening their business. I forget what it is. Mm-hmm. A Home Depot or a Lowe's type thing. Yeah, one of those. Then we get a scene of like Chet eating alone in the house. He talks to the ashes. And he's um, drinking from a pink glass. I feel like it's worth mentioning all mm-hmm. the random pink stuff that we keep seeing all the time. Despite, you know, this being the home of like this 
a homophobic guy? I don't know. It seemed really weird. You to can't me. escape it. You can't escape the gay. <laughs> there are definitely like there's pink elements throughout the house. We see the bunk bed later, and I will talk about it later. But like there's a pink lampshade. There's a pink cup that Chet drinks from. Like the mot the motif of there being pink throughout the movie and associated specifically with Chet is definitely something that they uh, that the movie is trying. It's also interesting since Chet is so painfully in the closet for most of this mm-hmm. movie that he's even mm-hmm. like comfortable keeping and using all of these kind of feminine, traditionally feminine, you know, perceived things and stuff. I don't know. I thought it was an interesting mm-hmm. choice. Yeah, it's good like theming. Then Todd's we get we head over to LA where Todd's boyfriends plural are breaking up with him after a summer of unicorning. Then he yells on the phone to someone that we don't know about how he definitely didn't steal anything. Then he goes for a rebound, and all of these shots are juxtaposed against Chet doing, like, normal towny things. He, like, goes to the grocery store and is, like, running into people in the town and is, like, at a bus stop. And I guess this is just to show, like, how different their lives are and to, like, really demonstrate that, like, while both of them have connections to other people, Chet seems to have his, his like, life together much more than Todd. And also, Chet doesn't have any, like, romantic connections the way that Todd does or did. He doesn't even seem to have very many friendships in general. Mm-hmm. Not, like, really deep ones. I mean, because most of the scenes we get a Chet, like, he's sitting alone in in his house <laughs> in the dark. Like, not even doing anything, just kind of, like, eating or, or staring yeah. off into space or staring at his dad's mm-hmm. ashes. And he's, like, the most normal, boring-looking <laughs> man. <laughs> and then you go to Todd, and Todd has, like, a bunch of tattoos and piercings and stuff, and he's very, like... His presence is very loud, and he's also literally mm-hmm. very loud. <laughs> the most opposite people possible. Yeah. But I do feel like the movie doesn't like come down on like a side. Um, I feel like it's not trying to demonstrate that either of them are doing stuff wrong, except when it comes to Chet's internalized homophobia. Like it's not like. Chet being shy or soft-spoken or, like, not having as many connections as Todd as Todd does is the problem with his character. Rather, it is the fact that he won't, um, you know, that he is, like, not standing up for his brother against homophobia and also, like, not living his life openly as a gay man. Like, that is... A pro- that is the thing that he needs to overcome with his character arc, not necessarily, like, not dancing on bars. <laughs> like, it's okay to be gay and not dance on bars. The movie said so. Yeah, definitely. It, it, didn't wa- it just wanted to say these are two different ways to be gay, mm-hmm. basically. Yeah, and, and it's not trying to demonize Todd either. His main issue or conflict uh, is probably just, like, being unable to maintain relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, and both of these, like, all of these personality problems definitely stem from the ways in which they were traumatized in their childhood, right? Like, their father... Oh, yeah, they emphasize that so yeah. strongly with all of the flashbacks. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, hey, did you know that these guys had a bad dad? And that results in Chet withdrawing and Todd constantly reaching out to other people but not being able to maintain anything serious like not even like a regular friendship or even really like a relationship with his brother oh yeah should we talk about when they finally reunite because because that's like the next scene isn't it uh we get the love interest Todd shows up uh we get oh we do okay we get beautiful perfect brandon Brandon is here. He is at the grocery store. Chet is picking out vitamins. He has a bottle of men's vitamins and a bottle of multivitamins. And Brandon looks at him and he says, so are you into men or multi? And I gotta say, as far as pickup lines in a grocery store go, that's pretty good. It's really the best thing you can say when you see someone staring at vitamins. 
uh, Chet and Brandon are like childhood best friends. They're not best friends, but they're childhood friends. They went to school together. Brandon moved to New York, which is where the gays live, uh, according to this movie. <laughs> and didn't they have a brief fling in high school? Did they? I, I feel like it was that um, Chet had a crush on him, but they weren't together. Oh, okay. Once okay. we get to the date I, scene, I can look at my notes. That's where that would have been mentioned. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> then we'll we'll hold off on that discussion. But then Todd arrives at the hardware store, and Frankie Valenti cannot remember that he's not in porn anymore. Um, I'm not, like, ragging on him. <laughs> it's just that there's a thing that happens sometimes when an, an actor switches from one genre space to another, and that is that they carry the hallmarks of the first genre space into their pro- their first few projects in the in the next genre space. Like you can see this sometimes with comedic actors who trans transition into drama, or dramatic actors that transition into comedy. And it's most I think most often you see this when a stage actor transitions into film or vice versa, because the stage actor will be doing stage acting, and they're like. And the director has to be like, your arms are too big. Why are you facing so far toward the camera? Look at the person you're talking to. Um, And so it feels a little bit like Valenti is um, doing the sort of over-the-top, exaggerated, like, you know, porn cutscene acting that we're used to in those spaces. And he's bringing them into a feature film where it feels a little weird and a little bit like overacting to have someone who is like just like why are you gyrating so much Frankie calm down be still (laughs) like you don't have to move your body in that way um this is a different space that you're acting in and so it's just like interesting to see that happening I guess some of that's definitely also the fault of the director. Right. Though, and the director should Because his character is mm-hmm. supposed to be very, like, I don't know the word I want. He's, like, portrayed to us as, like, being very uh, sexual. He's, he's McDonald's, McDonald's, McDonald's. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he, he's McDonald's, McDonald's, McDonald's. And Chet is we have food at home. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, his whole character, Todd's whole character is like, seems to be very obsessed with sex, and sex is like all he really talks mm-hmm. about. And and he he just flirts with everyone he sees, including his brother, which just made me <laughs> so uncomfortable. I mean, it's, it's sometimes... It, I have it, to say something. I have to say yeah. something. Because the first time that we watched this, this scene happened where he comes into the hardware store for the first time and he acts in a certain way. And I said, if this movie goes places, we can't put it on the list for the podcast. And you said, where is your mind at that you're picking up those vibes? And then the second time we watched it, you said, oh no, there's a vibe. And I would just like to say that I am vindicated. I am vindicated. There's a vibe in there this There is, film. and they do kind of almost address it in one scene but we'll we'll discuss it when we get to that scene um but yeah like like todd calls everyone baby also including his brother and Mm -hmm. he says it in a certain way Mm -hmm. and it's just you don't need to do that you know it's it feels like he's supposed to represent like a really bad stereotype of gay men who are just very hypersexualized and and just obsessed with sex and like that's that's it that's being gay is just being obsessed with sex and it's mm-hmm. kind of annoying and kind of exhausting to watch cuz he it's the same the whole film that never nothing happens with it it never like goes away or evolves into anything it's just his entire character yeah, like this movie said, there are two types of gay men. There are those painfully in the closet and those obsessed with sex. Yeah. And like, we get some of Chet moving past like his repression, but we don't get any of Todd like forming, like 
genuine connections with people beyond sexual relationships. Yeah, he doesn't really have any developments, especially yeah. not in in that you know arena, and it's frustrating. Well, it's like the- yeah, like it's like the burden of change is entirely on Chet, even though some of the problems in this movie are Todd's fault. A he lot of them are Todd's bad, fault. He makes some bad decisions, and you can't just chalk all of the consequences up to homophobia. Like, there are some things in this movie that happen because people are homophobic toward Todd, and that's bad, and that's not his fault. Um, but there are also some things that happen in this movie that are directly Todd's fault, and he could have just done something else. Yeah. Yeah, he's very um, self-destructive. Mm-hmm. And that never goes away, or nothing ever comes of that. It's not even properly addressed. Like, Chet kind of yells at him about it at one point, but that's it. It's not resolved. Mm-hmm. We also get in this scene uh, the fact that Todd wasn't at the funeral, um, which is a bad look, dude. Like, yeah. You don't want to, like, like prepare the funeral or, like, help with your homophobic dad once he's, like, in the dying process. Like, I, I don't understand. get that. He just let well, his brother abusive, deal with that completely. Yeah. Like, if you didn't want to be personally, physically there, that's one thing. He could have done some stuff helped from a distance if he didn't want to see the dad in some way he could have like taken some of that burden because i mean chet was drowning in that yeah and he had no help the amount the amount of phone calls that you have to make to arrange a funeral like oh my god um but the thing that i was going to say but like if you're not going to do the stuff if you're not going to work then why wouldn't you just be at the funeral like that's about I mean funerals are the funeral was about Chet (laughs) like it's about hanging out with him and making sure that he's okay yeah doesn't go to the funeral but shows up three months later when he like needs help he's broke yeah so it's just it's just very much all about Todd and he clearly isn't thinking about anyone else's needs Mm -hmm. Todd thinks it's creepy that Chet wants to keep their father's ashes in the house. And, like, I don't get it. Lots of people keep urns. Some Um, people are also, I feel like, can be creeped out by that. But, you know, Todd's not living there. He's just visiting. So I feel like he doesn't get a say. Yeah. Uh, And then he decides that they will scatter their dad's ashes on uh, December the 20th. He just sort of picks a date. And this is when we get the, the bunk bed. Um... Because Chet like sets Todd up to sleep in the, in their old childhood bedroom that still has the bunk bed in it, and it was painted black. It's painted black in all the future scenes. Um, it's pink in the flashbacks, and then it's black in the present. And like it, that's a really really good detail, and like demonstrates for us visually the consequences of like that first flashback scene, and also the lengths to which their father is willing to go to like forcibly correct any perceived femininity or non like non-heterosexuality in his children like and it even looks a little bit like to me like I'm not a carpenter um (laughs) it even looks a little bit like it's been painted with wood varnish rather than paint as if like that was the only thing that he had on hand and this was like an emergency he's got like defem this bunk bed immediately yeah definitely and that makes it extra strange that there are other pink things that survived in the house mm-hmm. if you're going to go to all that effort to cover up the pink in the bed why would you stop there because it it doesn't work right like you can't there is a gay person living in your house. You can't get rid of the gayness. You can't get rid of the pink because it will just, it'll stick around. It's not like your efforts are futile. You're just making it worse. You're just making it worse to exist as a gay person in your house rather than making it so that gay people don't exist in your house. That's what I think. That sounds good to me. <laughs> this movie tries to be deep. It almost succeeds. It tries so hard. This movie could be really good. This a few yeah. more passes on the script and get rid of the incest jokes and Ugh. it would be fine. 
Where were we in the plot? The next thing I've written down is when Todd is masturbating in the kitchen. Oh. (laughs) I don't know if I miss any important (laughs) plot things before that you want to talk about. Um... Uh, Todd just talks about like his relationships uh, in LA. He like his re- relationship failed. Um, he didn't have a lot of acting opportunities. Uh, Chet's try- Chet is trying to be supportive. Like he's trying to be a good brother. He like makes him breakfast and stuff. But yeah, and then he comes home from work, and uh, uh, Todd's jacking off in the kitchen. In the kitchen, not only a shared space but a shared space where food is prepared. Um, no, don't do that. It was very, it was very jarring as an audience member to see that. (laughs) And I'm sure it was very jarring for poor Chet, who just wanted to have dinner, maybe. (laughs) He's on video chat with this guy. Yeah. And then the video chat guy, this, the chat, the guy that Todd is chatting with, is like, uh, on camera with, sees chet in the it like come into the camera frame and goes hey like shoot your shot my dude <laughs> <sighs> poor chet was so overwhelmed mm-hmm. um chet gets a text from brandon i love brandon he did nothing wrong except be named brandon and that's not his fault what's wrong with the name brandon brandon's bad brandon, it's just brandon a completely is... normal name Brandon is a basketball player that the popular girl in the movie dates uh, to make the bad boy that she has a crush on jealous, and it doesn't even work. I love how specific that was. (laughs) (laughs) All right, you know what? I did know a Brandon who was an athlete, so I guess I I got Mm -hmm. no rebuttal for that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you bring me a Brandon who's not a jock, and I will bring you a man who has not lived up to his potential. <laughs> um, we get this really good shot of Todd and Chet mirror- mirroring each other when they get into the truck to drive to the hardware store, because Todd's like, oh, I'll take a shift at the store, let you, like, um, like help you out. And they just, like, they put their, their seatbelts on in the same way, and they check the mirror in the same way. It's, like, a good, like, demonstration of even though they're very different people and they've grown apart in these very distinct ways, the movie is signaling to us that they're still siblings and they're still very close and very similar. We get a montage of Todd using innuendo at work and flirting with customers. <laughs> he also, he's the one that says, uh... The shop just needed a woman's touch, right? Yeah. I hate that line so much. Especially since there is a woman working there. Like one of Chet's like one of Chet's managers is a is a woman. It's like Todd is trying to be homophobic to himself when other people aren't homophobic enough to him. Yeah. <laughs> I I I don't know. He does that a lot throughout the whole movie, like says weird stuff like that and it's very frustrating (laughs) you could probably say something psychologically about uh their dad's homophobia never really escaping it or something but we don't have to go there possibly neither of us are psych majors unfortunately not (laughs) if we have if we have guests on this show uh we should get a psych major on um (laughs) that'd be fun (laughs) Uh, they talk about uh, Brandon. Chet is not sure that Brandon is gay, uh, but Todd is 100% certain and sings a little song that goes, gay, 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 It's really, I don't know how it's not already like on the top 40 charts. <laughs> like, forget acting, Todd. You should just be a singer-songwriter. You're so talented. That's his real calling. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, then the neighborhood barbecue happens, and we find out that Chet is out to some of his friends in the town, at least, like, a couple of the people at this party. Um, his friend, I don't have her name here, but his friend, um, calls Todd and Chet my gays. Yeah, um, the friends are really only important, like, for this scene, so I didn't write down their mm-hmm. names either. 
Um, but it, it was really, it felt really weird. This entire little party just felt really wrong. Like something was off yeah. the whole time. Almost everything these people were saying in this scene just yeah. like through me. The things I have written here are Todd can't stand being around so many straight people at once, and that's valid. Dude, stop flirting with people in your conservative hometown. That's how you die. <laughs> Todd insinuates that he looks good in leather, and uh, the air gets sucked out of the scene. Like, he just says something about he himself looking good in leather, and everybody, like, looks around like, oh. Like, what? It's what? especially weird if they, in this small group, are aware that Chet's gay. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if that, if they're, it's probably just trying to say, like, they're okay with people being gay as long as you're not flaunting it or something. And obviously, since Chet is so far in the closet, mm-hmm. he has not been, I mean, he doesn't even want to discuss it you know with his gay brother ever when he has a crush on someone or anything uh Mm -hmm. so that's not upsetting anyone you know but then todd shows up uh very gladly will talk about it to anyone who will listen and they can't handle it yeah the girl who outed the two of them in high school is uh, at this party also and for some reason why is she allowed to exist in either of their presences but, like, Todd is rightfully rude to her. Like, maybe he's a little harsh, um, but, like... Absolutely not. Yeah, but I don't know, man. He, <laughs> um, and then Chet is ex- is upset with Todd for starting some starting stuff, but, like, all he did was say that he liked leather and call homophobes stupid. Uh, that's praxis, actually. <laughs> yeah, it, it all started because he made the leather comment. And I don't really know why that means everyone has to suddenly become hostile. Yeah, and it was just the word leather. Like, he didn't start talking about, like, pet play or some crap. Like, like if it makes you uncomfortable, well, just ignore it, change the, the, you know, conversation topic. But instead, some guy immediately is like, what did you say? Ignore it. Yeah. It's fine. Yeah, I'll be my dude. Uh, okay, then we're back at the hardware store. And Todd makes a big deal about, like, there's this woman, and she has two children with her, a boy and a girl, and uh, her son has a doll, and she takes it away from, from him and hands it back to the sister. She, the sister also has a toy. Like, the two of them both have one toy each. And so I don't know how they got out of the house. It was that important to you that your son not play with dolls. I don't know how they got out of the house with him carrying this doll. Yeah, they were probably, like, already in the car or something, Mm -hmm. and he just grabbed it to carry it in the store with him. Yeah, because that's what children do. Right. (laughs) Yeah, Um, and Todd gets unnecessarily freaked out about it. I mean, probably just because he can relate from his own childhood. He's traumatized, yeah. Right, yeah. And he yells at this woman. (laughs) These boys need therapy so bad. Um, and then Chet and Brandon go on their date. Technically not a date. They went out to dinner, like, as friends, right? I think officially they went as friends, because it was at the date that they confirmed that each of them were gay. Oh, yeah. They're, like, hanging out. This is, like, a hangout at this romantic restaurant with a candle on the table. It's like, (laughs) this could be a date, but first, tell me your sexuality. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, we have not mentioned the narration yet. Oh, There's God. narration in this movie. You know what? I so... blocked it out of my brain because <laughs> it angered me so much. It does absolutely... It could have done something, but it doesn't. It, mm-hmm. it detracts from the movie. Yeah. It's like Chet saying like short sentences, mostly questions that are aimed toward his father. And I feel like they were put there because the someone in the process either the writer or the director didn't trust the audience to understand the themes of the movie and so chet just tells us yeah or they they didn't think we would remember that Mm -hmm. chet was upset that his dad died recently Mm -hmm. or that you know obviously a lot of a lot of especially chet's um 
personal like conflicts is revolving around the fact that he never came out to his dad. Mm-hmm. Um, and he also is guilty about like not defending Todd more. Like he does try to protect him, but only behind the two of the the backs of the two of them. Never he doesn't he never stands up for Todd, which is valid. Like, dude, you were a child. Right, right. But at least like with Todd that he has a chance to rectify some of that a bit in the future, mm-hmm. right? Because their relationship, I mean, they're both still around. Uh but with his dad he like lost the chance forever. So obviously this is kind of haunting him and that's what the narration's trying to remind us, as if we can't mm-hmm. just remember. <laughs> Like that that's in the text of the like you wrote that into the script. You don't need to tell us. You don't need Chet Chet's disembodied voice to turn to the camera and be like, Hey, this guy has issues revolving around his father. Like, yeah, that's what the movie's about. And it sounds so creepy when yeah. the narration happens. It's in this really creepy monotone voice. Mm-hmm. And just I, I don't know, it, it really throws, like, I'm, I'm into the movie, things are happening, all of a sudden, boom. <laughs> then we get Chet jacking off to Brendan's yearbook photo, which uh... I think is, is just supposed to demonstrate that he's, like, kind of pathetic and maybe a little bit, like, stuck in the past or, like, too concerned with the past. Um, but Brendan's definitely a child in that picture, dog. What you doing? I, I thought they was also trying to show us that even though Todd is like the hypersexual one of the two of them, Chet uh-huh. does also like still have a sex drive, <laughs> you know, like, because uh, he in a lot of the movie kind of is portrayed, especially since you're obviously going to compare him to his brother as kind of being sexless a little bit. Mm hmm. So I think that's also a little bit of what that scene was trying to do, but it is really, really creepy that it's this yearbook photo. Could you yeah. not do anything else? Or just nothing? We, we don't have to have him look at anything, you know? That's fine. Yeah, like, we would understand that he's, like, thinking about Brandon if the scene is him and Brandon, and then the next scene is him beating off. Like, we, like we get it. We understand. Yeah. Or even they could have shown, like, something that he was imagining. Like, maybe he was mm-hmm. imagining him and Brandon, like, hooking up. Yeah. And we get a little bait and switch. Yeah. Very easy fixes to this problem. It's fine. <laughs> and then Todd gets arrested for cruising in a local park. This homophobic cop really wants to put Todd in jail. Like, he is chomping at the bit to put Todd in jail for any one of a number of crimes and is only not doing that because it's his first defense and Chet is a friend. Um, yeah, and he says this all like really clearly out loud, no shame at mm-hmm. all. Yeah, I'd really love to uh, arrest him. Basically, I mean, it's not quite stated, but basically just for being gay. Yeah. And he like tells Chet that, you know, he should try to control his brother and like encourage him to be less gay, basically. Not be gay. <laughs> it's a really gross conversation. Yeah. Uh, Chet is upset because Todd's behavior reflects on on Chet and the store, um, which I guess is true. Like, he did get, he was, like, uh, doing the sex in a public place. Uh, but also, come on, man, he just got a, a like, lockup. Yeah, and, and that line when he tells Todd, your behavior reflects on me, it also just felt like he was concerned mm. that Todd's gayness would like shine a spotlight on Chet's sexuality or something as well. Mm-hmm. It also sounds like something that a dad might say. Yeah, yeah you're right. It, it, there are times where Chet seems to act more like a dad to Todd than a brother and that kind of makes sense because in some of the flashbacks it it does look like he helped raise Todd a little bit like one of the flashbacks uh when Todd's playing with like a a doll and and Chet uh takes it from him and hides it so the dad won't see it and stuff like that we get another flashback and not a lot of things happen in this flashback but like the dad is like a huge presence in this movie like we see his ashes a lot we hear his voice a lot 
we like the characters talk about him a lot but we don't get him on screen very much and I don't think we ever see his face like he's always just like slightly out of frame like his arm will reach out and like grab don't we in the very last scene yeah 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 yeah. you're right you're right I don't think that we see him until that it's like a Christmas or a Thanksgiving flashback like toward the end of the movie but I wanted that's really interesting yeah his presence is like really important and big in this movie but him physically isn't in it very often this movie's full of cool details yeah i he i feel like if they put him a lot in the movie physically he would have actually had less of an effect uh just you know on the audience and we would have felt less of his effect on the characters lives also he seems much more powerful because there is so little of him and yet we know just what an effect he has anyway. Okay, then we get the fishing trip. Um, and, like, <laughs> uh... preparing for this fishing trip, Todd and Chet talk about how uh, Todd slept with Chet's first crush in college. Like, they weren't together, but Chet, like, definitely liked this guy, and Todd knew that he liked this guy, and Chet is upset that. Todd slept with him and Todd doesn't see anything wrong with it and that's foreshadowing baby yeah and and the way Todd like tries to justify it he says your first fling got so tired of waiting on you he slept with me like my dude as if Todd didn't also make a choice but that's not how that works that's very gross and he later says like on that same trip everything is sex period with everybody Which, again, is just kind of showing how he is representing this, this stereotype, this hypersexual stereotype. And, like, it would be fine if, like, this was explored, if, like, he got to work through, because he's clearly, like, experiencing hypersexuality because of trauma. Like, that's not good. Right. Uh, we should maybe let Todd work through that a little bit, but we don't. Right. This movie would be so much stronger if it acknowledge that both of these brothers are just reacting to trauma in different ways and let them work through it but they don't get mm-hmm. to chet does a little bit todd not at all they do like reflect on their shared trauma on this trip they're like relaxing by a campfire and like todd says wow we're screwed like in regards to like their relationship with their father how it's affected the way that they approach relationships with other people Like, Todd is afraid of commitment, and Chet is afraid of rejection because, like, directly because of their relationships with their father. And then Chet is still, like, defending their dad, which is really sad, I think. Yeah. But I do like that the movie lets them have complicated feelings about their dad. Mm -hmm. Uh, It doesn't make it extremely black and white, which I think is, you know, much more reflective of real life. So that was fun. Should we talk about the incest conversation? That's that's next, right? Yeah. Todd says that whenever someone finds out that his brother Chet is also is also gay, they will immediately like make incest accusations or jokes and uh I uh don't do that. If you're a person in real life who does that, I don't know if you exist, but if you exist uh and you do that, stop don't what i mean don't sexualize people like that at all in the first place but yeah especially not with their sibling that's so disgusting and todd like thinks it's funny Todd thinks it's funny kind of feels like he encourages Mm -hmm. the jokes i I don't know why is this a trauma response hey movie am i supposed to be laughing or am i supposed to be horrified this is when the r word gets dropped also uh, listeners, just so you know, uh, because uh, Todd talks about them having a baby together. So yeah, it's terrible scene, terrible scene, terrible scene. And I don't know if I'm supposed to be horrified or if I'm supposed to laugh. Like the movie doesn't tell me. <laughs> um, the movie kind of feels confused or about that as well, mm-hmm. whether or not it, we're supposed to think it's funny. It doesn't know, so we don't know that we're just left staring at each other with super wide eyes, speechless. <laughs> yeah, and then we're just back at the hardware store. <laughs> Casual, you know, as that scene is still, like, echoing in our heads. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So Chet's hardware store friend is back. He is still adamant that Chet needs to uh, get settled down and start a family. And Chet says, well, if you know any eligible bachelors, send them my way. And that's cute, you know? He's like trying to come out of his shell. He's trying to be friendly with this person that he has a, has a connection with. The friend also says that he thinks Todd is having a bad influence on him. And I think that Chet coming out in this scene, in this same scene is supposed to signal to the audience that Todd is having a positive influence, is like encouraging Chet to be more open with himself. Yeah, because definitely, I mean, in the previous scene when they're at the campfire and having that horrible conversation, mm-hmm. in general, during that whole trip, Todd is just kind of repeatedly shaming Chet for like being so hesitant his whole life about everything mm-hmm. um so you do also get the impression that he's he comes out very impulsively to mm-hmm. the old man at the store kind of as like a f you to that <laughs> <laughs> like see i can do things but then the old man like settles his tab implying that he won't be returning for, for in the future i really like the arc with this old guy and it just sort of cements Chet's fears about, like, if he is out, then that will have real social ramifications. And, like, that's a real thing that happens in real life, right? Like, if you don't want to come out to the people in your conservative hometown because you're afraid that they will stop shopping at your family's business and it will go under or you will get, like, hit by a car one day, like, absolutely don't come out to them. That's valid. But I do like in this movie the way that that is demonstrated with Chet and also the where that arc ends up going. 100%. Uh, second date with Brandon and Chet. Brandon, don't ask about people's dead dads on the second date. Please. Oh, yeah. Brandon comes to the house. So, like, Todd is technically crashing this date a little bit. Or maybe, I don't know, maybe Todd's there to make Chet more comfortable. Mm-hmm. You know, it's... It, less pressure if there are other people around right so they're all the three of them are like having dinner together (laughs) brandon just asks about you know dead family members as you do on a second date Mm -hmm. first real date if we you know consider the fact that their first date was kind of mostly friend (laughs) like a cute montage of them hanging out they eat dinner they play with the electric keyboard. It's fun. They're friends. And then they go out on the roof to hang out because yeah. they're a little bit tipsy and it's fun to be on the roof sometimes. Brandon goes back inside to no, no, go to the No, no, no. Chet goes back inside. You're right. You're Chet. I'm, yes, you're right. Yeah. And, yeah, and I want to point out that Brandon was, like, interacting with Todd in, like, really great Uh, Mm -hmm. friendly like positive ways because a lot of the people in this town have been reacting very negatively to him and Brandon's not one of them Mm -hmm. you know he's he's acting the way that you would want your date to treat your siblings yes Brandon it's very great Brandon did nothing wrong he is a cutie he (laughs) likes Chet he should maybe work on his social skills a little bit but otherwise yeah but I mean that's true of everyone in this movie yeah Yeah, so Brandon and Todd are left alone on this roof. Todd rips his shirt off, tosses it to Brandon. As you do. Yeah. (laughs) Todd, don't flirt with your brother's date, please. Yeah, Todd kisses Brandon and then says... No, first, first first he proposes a threesome. Yeah. Please stop. And then he kisses him. Brandon's not into that. He immediately, like, they t- their faces touch, and Brandon is, like, backing up. Like, whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah, Brandon was um, very much, like, assaulted at this moment, really. Yeah. The poor guy cornered on this rooftop, terrified. <laughs> but, of course, Chet walks back in at that moment. Yeah, yeah. The excuse that Todd gives is, I was making sure that he wasn't playing us. Like, whoa. Yeah, first of all, what's the us? Yeah. You're not involved. You are you were hanging out with them, but this is a date between two people. Mm-hmm. 
And knowing, having the past that we, you know, that we get about Todd having a history of sleeping with the people that Chet is interested in, <laughs> there is absolutely no excuse that Todd can give, and he doesn't really have one. I mean, this is something that's never resolved satisfactorily. Yeah, like, Todd genuinely doesn't have an arc in this film. He, like is traumatized in similar ways to to Chet and it manifests differently and like he makes bad choices that affect his brother and himself negatively and the movie just doesn't comment on them and instead puts the burden of change and the burden of like being a better person on Chet which is the thing that their dad was doing the whole time hey movie yeah if you're gonna have a movie about two brothers they should both have an arc yeah or like one should have already done their arc by the time that uh, the movie starts, but like, no, both of them need therapy very badly, and by the end of the movie, both of them need therapy very badly. Yeah, so we never know why Todd kisses Brandon. I mean, you know, it could just be because he's so self-destructive, he has to Mm -hmm. destroy this relationship with his brother that he was just starting to kind of rebuild. Or maybe he was, like, feeling left out because for once someone was interested in his brother and not him and he didn't know how to deal with that. I don't know. Mm -hmm. The movie doesn't tell us. The movie doesn't care. (laughs) Chet and his internalized homophobia are here. They have entered the chat. Uh, (laughs) They never left, actually. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) They've just been lurking. But now they're actually, like, spamming emojis. Um, Chet is convinced that Brandon is into Todd, even though Brandon has not shown any interest in Todd. And Brandon says, um, Chet, I don't need you to be anything. Um, like, Brandon's the best character in this movie. Yeah, but Chet doesn't even really let him speak. He kind of immediately mm-hmm. kicks Brandon out. Uh, and it's really sad. Poor Brandon looks so sad. Yeah. <laughs> Does not deserve this. Uh, Todd is driven off. He took the family ATV. Then he gets arrested again. The He got four-wheeler jacked. Like, Chet comes to pick him up at the police station, and it turns out that some people beat him up in, like, they, like, gay-bashed him and also took the four-wheeler. And the cop convinces Chet that he can't press charges because Todd was being gay around these people who gay-bashed him, and therefore, like, nothing will happen if he presses charges. Yeah, um, he was he was shoving it in their faces. That's the quote. Yeah. Yeah, and the cop says it won't do any good to press charges. And I don't really know how he thinks that's true. Well, he's a homophobe, you see. Yeah. Um, this movie's got really good bones. I feel like if it was different, <laughs> if, if there were some things that were tightened up, if we, like, got to explore certain things more deeply, then this would be, like... A very excellent film, but instead it's just sort of a little bit off. The themes are really great. The themes are good. But yeah, the the writing is just not quite there. Mm-hmm. Todd made breakfast to try to say sorry. Chet kicks him out of the house. And then hooks and... up with the prostitute. <laughs> yeah. Which is what you do after kicking out your brother, I guess. Makes sense. I guess. The thing that he says is, I need to do things my way. And it's like, dude, Todd did not take over anything. He didn't change anything. Except, like, encourage you to go out on this date and then kiss your date. Which, like, you can absolutely be mad about it. I don't think that I would make my sibling homeless over that. Like, Todd doesn't have anywhere to go. Yeah, I'm... Yeah, something would need to happen. But kicking him out and, like, he doesn't really have any money. He has absolutely nothing. You know, yeah. that's and also this is this is the family home. That that cabin is also Todd's. Yeah, that's a good point. Right. What authority does Chet actually have to kick him out? Yeah, and then he goes goes cruising or like hires this uh biker looking sex sex worker to cope, I guess. Which I think because we saw Todd immediately try to get a rebound after he was broken up with. I think it's demonstrating that they have very similar coping mechanisms, even if their trauma is manifesting in, t- in very different ways. That's a really fun detail. 
Then Chet is trying to make Christmas plans. He's like hanging out with a friend from before who called Chet and Todd my gaze. And she says, you did the right thing by making his brother homeless? Hello? Yeah, because the brother was causing too many problems for the town by being gay, you see. Oh, boy. No one's coming into the store, which is implied to be either because Chet came out or because of Todd's behavior. But the joint wasn't exactly jumping before. I guess we did get that montage of Todd dealing with a few few customers, but I don't think we ever saw like a crowd in this shop. Um, I don't know. Yeah, it's always been pretty quiet. Yeah, maybe that's a nitpick though. I don't know. I've written, oh, this scene here. What scene? Oh, the, the, the tiger orange scene. Yeah. This is the scene. Where <laughs> <laughs> the best is... character returns. Right. The second best after Brandon. You're right. I'm so sorry. There are not that many women in this film. There, like, there are three women in this film. Only one isn't a homophobe. Only one isn't a homophobe. Just so you know going in, I guess. <laughs> but uh, Chet's friend, uh, who is like building project a project for his grandchildren is back he needs paint and he says that uh he says to chet that his dad will be proud of him for maintaining the store and that is really cool his grandkids want tiger orange for their for their playhouse and the old man says that would be the loudest thing on the block and chet just sort of looks at him kind of sadly and says that's okay right and he says yeah that's okay and that is the best scene in the movie yeah, it's, it's like, really heartwarming. It's so fun when the title actually matters for the themes or the <laughs> plot in some way to the film, you know? That's mm-hmm. uh, sadly rare in the collection of movies that we have. It mattered in Cloudburst. It didn't really matter in All About E. What are we talking about next week? Is is Gaby next week? Hang on, I'm on my list. That one kind of... But Tiger Orange... The themes are very, very uh, entwined with the title, so it's that's really fun. I really like this title. If nothing yeah. else, I like the title. <laughs> um, yeah, but the scene is just like, here's the theme of the movie, demonstrated through actions and dialogue like a film should do. And after that, uh, Chet decides to press charges after all even though the mm-hmm. homophobic cop tried to dissuade him. Yeah. So that was really fun. And the next thing I've written down is that Todd returns to mm-hmm. help The next thing is that... Scatter um, the ashes. It's, yep. It's the 20th. Uh, it's time to scatter the ashes. Uh, they... Uh, Todd says, you didn't have to kick me. Todd says, you kicked me out. And Chet says, you didn't have to leave like that. Um, he what? did actually. You kicked him out. My guy, you told him to leave. This writing is so weird. Yeah. Makes sense when you speak, please. But they don't actually scatter the ashes yet. That's the very final scene right? of the film. Yeah. They talk about their dad in this scene, and it feels like the way that. Every time they say dad, they're actually saying my hurt or my trauma. They're like, it, he was my dad too. And it sounds like he's saying I was hurt too. It sounds like they're trying to talk about the ways in which their dad's relationship with them impacted them and traumatized them, but they can't. And so they just say dad. Um, and I really like that. Yeah. Yeah. That conversation was really good. And I wish we had more conversations like that one instead of what we ended up with (laughs) it's fine uh but then there's the christmas party right right which chet seems to host every single year uh and Mm -hmm. all of the weird homophobic friends come over uh but brandon stops Uh, by brandon is here and he brought wine chet apologizes for rejecting him but brandon says that's what families do uh, they kiss their siblings' dates? Brandon? Yeah, I, I Brandon. the actual quote was like, siblings bring out the juvie in all of us. Which, ah. I mean, I guess so, but that doesn't usually translate to, I'm gonna make out with my brother's date. Yeah, like, I feel like this is proof or evidence that the movie doesn't think that there's anything wrong with Todd's behavior. And I don't agree film 
Well, they think it's bad, but not nearly as bad as we think it is. Yeah. Like, it's just kind of a, haha, that's so awkward, kind of in a funny way. And then we're over here, like, screaming about it. Yeah. Oh, Christmas Tree is objectively the worst Christmas carol. <laughs> Glad that's the detail you want to include. <laughs> yes, because I'm right. I just want to mention how before Brandon leaves, because he literally just stopped by to say hello because he has to be somewhere else. And then he and Chet are alone in the kitchen. Everyone else is like in the living room or something. And then they just start making out. Yeah, like really intensely. It's not even like a first kiss, like a... They don't even do the sort of bridge between like having never kissed before and full on making out. They're just immediately absolutely in it which is weird also like for the reason that you know you just said this is presumably their first kiss at least their first kiss in a very long time uh and also Mm -hmm. chet was you know very much against any pda for his entire life and now he's just gonna make out with someone in his kitchen yeah there are people in the next room it's just like good for him maybe this is meant to show growth it just it felt Strange. Mm. Uh, Brandon and Chet talk about homemade Christmas ornaments and like childhood memories. And Todd says that he might go backpacking with a guy uh, that he met in Portland. Was he in Portland that whole time that he was gone? Like, he was like, the two of them did not have any contact, um, which is scary to me. Uh, like, if this happened, <laughs> uh, I, I think that that would be frightening for either, for either of them. Um, but especially for Chet having kicked Todd out during a very, like, vulnerable, like, moment in his life. Mm-hmm. Brandon has invited Chet to New York, and Chet says, we're not that screwed, are we? Or maybe it was Todd. I don't remember who said, we're not that screwed, are we? I think Todd said that. Which? Yeah, so this is meant to show that they both have, like, plans, uh, their lives mm-hmm. are going places. But I don't know. I'm still very concerned for Todd. It doesn't feel like... I mean, once again, he's just going off to some yeah. other adventure. Nothing has changed. And then we... And, which is compounded by the flashback that we get. Um, the last flashback that we get. Like, Jed is absolutely co-parenting Todd at this point. Like, he's helping prepare, like, Christmas dinner. And, like, not... in like, handling it in a way where like he's been in charge of this event before and he's got to be like 14 at this point like the hmm uh oh and i'm not saying that like kids shouldn't help prepare christmas dinner i'm saying kids shouldn't be in charge of preparing christmas dinner (laughs) yeah chet is very clearly replacing the mom yeah in a lot of ways yeah i did like the final flashback scene Mm -hmm. um as we mentioned before, it's the only time we really get to see the dad. Yeah, I remember. And for once, the dad's not being a jerk. <laughs> well, Todd says that he doesn't like turkey, which is fair. Turkey tastes like napkins. When I used to eat meat. Turkey is delicious. When, when I used to eat meat, I, there was the meat that I didn't like was turkey. It tastes like napkins. <gasps> it's disgusting. You are breaking my heart. It doesn't taste like anything. Turkey is delicious. You're, you're wrong. <laughs> you're wrong. <laughs> um, but Todd doesn't like turkey. And the dad says, everybody likes turkey. Can't you be more like your brother? Which like, oof. Oof, bud. And yeah. then he also says, you two are brothers, and brothers don't fight. They look out for each other and take care of each other. You look like each other? That means you have a bond? Is that is that what gives them a bond? Not like their shared experiences, or the things they have in common, or the fact that they have grown close to each other from living together for so long. Just their faces? <laughs> Sir. Yeah, the writing is still you know, awkward in this final scene, just as in every other scene in this movie. But the dad also says that hurting each other is like hurting yourself. Yeah. And I liked that line specifically. Yeah. That makes sense. And also sounds like a thing a person might say with their mouth. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Then we flash forward, which is still a flashback, technically. We flash forward, but not all the way forward, because now we're at the 20th, at the creek, Chet scatters the ashes, and that's the movie. 
That's Tiger Orange. <laughs> yeah. I like... Oh, and Scattering the Ashes looked kind of weird, too, because didn't the ashes, like, he threw them up in the air and they kind of fell down on Chet? Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> I didn't like that. It's like they couldn't, like, catch the wind on that day, or they couldn't get a fan in. I, I don't know. <laughs> he, like, tosses them. Don't do that. <laughs> yeah. So this movie is a film. This is a film about some brothers. <laughs> this, I want to say that I like this movie, but there are parts of it that make me incredibly uncomfortable. Yeah. Uh, this movie could have been amazing. And the themes are amazing. But the actual execution is awful and causes me a little bit of physical pain to watch. Yeah. Poor Todd doesn't get a character arc, even though he deserves it. There's too much of... Even though he also steals every scene he's in. Yeah. Like, he's the most dynamic character. You can't not pay yeah, attention a to lot him. Of... And yet he has the least character mm-hmm. growth. A lot of the reviews around this movie, because this was Frankie Valenti's like, first feature film, uh, a lot of the reviews of this film mention him and the way that he pops on the screen. And that's valid, but also I think it's partly due to the fact that everyone else is so flat. And that might be part of the theming around the idea of Todd being brighter and louder than his brother and also the town, part of him being Tiger Orange. But uh, I don't know, you can also give everyone else a personality. Right, yeah. I mean, if you really wanted to do that, it would make more sense to leave Chet kind of Mm -hmm. flat. But don't do that to literally every other character. Then it just feels like all these people are bad actors. Do you have any final thoughts? How do you feel? How are we feeling? I feel like we mm-hmm. said everything we wanted to say. Is this a movie you would recommend? Only if you were playing a drinking game. <laughs> what what's, what are the rules? Every time that Todd says something inappropriate. I was going to say every time. Every time that there is. You want to die. Do every time Todd flirts with someone. Uh-huh. <laughs> That, that montage in the hardware store, you just end up playing Thunderstruck. <laughs> uh, almost every conversation he has with Chet feels flirting. So really, yeah, you're just dead. Please, sir. I'm begging you. Uh, so next week, we are doing Gaby. I was right before. Uh, we paired Tiger Orange and Gaby together because we paired a bunch of movies together on our list. And those two ended up being the ones with that didn't share a whole lot of themes. Well, hold on. With hold the on. They what? both deal with family. Oh, that's true. That's true. Uh, they're both family movies. They're both about like what it means to be a family. That's true. You're right. I always am. <laughs> that's not what I said. Rude. Uh, so I'm Hal, and you can find me on Twitter at Hal S. Hewlin. You can find the show at but is it underscore gay. And you can find me on Twitter at autumnal underscore season. You can find the artist that put together our theme music at Enoff on Instagram. E-N-O-F-F. See you next week for Gaby, which is about the thing that it sounds like. It's about a gay baby. That, no, that is not what it's about. (laughs) Lying to the audience. They don't know.